It began over 5,000 years ago when civilization was young. Every major culture, Egypt, Greece, Rome, India, Japan, studied it, practiced it, perfected it to a fine art. They admired its Olympian demands, strength, speed, agility, skill, grace, and courage. They did it to honor their gods, they did it to honor their kings, they did it to train their soldiers, they did it to compete, and they did it for fun. It has come down through the ages to us today. It is Coliseum Corner, the wrestling podcast where each and every Coliseum home video is reviewed. From the personalities and specialties to the best of the WWF and even the Collector Series. If you're looking for reviews of WrestleMania, Survivor Series, Royal Rumbles, and SummerSlams, then look somewhere else because this is a trip down memory lane of your favorite videos. We review the good, the bad, and even sometimes the awful. Join Bill as he takes us down a memory lane adventure the likes of which no podcast has ever gone before. So sit back, relax, and listen to this fantastic podcast that we call Coliseum Corner. And here is Bill to start the show right now. Hello everyone, I'm Bill Yankovey and welcome to another edition of Coliseum Corner, the podcast where all the Coliseum videos get reviewed. Today we uh, take an adventure, start an adventure on the second series of Coliseum videos released by the World Wrestling Federation in 1985 and we go into the specialty section as today we are going to take a look at the WWF's most unusual matches. The videotape is hosted by Jesse the Body Ventura and he answers the question right, right away why is Jesse the Body Ventura the host of this particular video cassette? Well, he explains, as he is an, un an unusual wrestler and an unusual announcer, he is the perfect fit for this video cassette. And he also goes into describing what makes an unusual match. Well, there's two reasons. The first reason is to bring more attention to the fans, to have the fans come to see these unusual matches, these weird matches that have a lot at stake. Matches such as a 10-man tag team match, an all-girl battle royal, and even a 20-man battle royal. But the second reason is also to settle a grudge. It is to settle a rivalry, and it must be done. You could have matches such as a Texas Tornado match, a Lumberjack match, an Indian Strap match, and even the most dangerous match of all, a Steel Cage match. Now, one other thing that should be mentioned before getting right into these matches is you will see men in multiple matches on this videotape, such as the Magnificent Morocco, Jimmy Snuka, 
and Greg Valentine. And that's a good transition because Greg Valentine is in the first match on this tape as he is defending the Intercontinental title against Tito Santana in a Lumberjack match. So where does the idea of a Lumberjack match come from, you might say? Well, it comes from the Pacific Woods, where when two Lumberjacks are at a dispute and they need to have an end to their dispute, they settle it in a Lumberjack fight, where other Lumberjacks will make a circle surrounding the two combatants, and if either combatant is forced out, the Lumberjacks surrounding them will bring them back in. So, now that we have the stage, let's get into the first of nine matches on this videotape of the WWF's most unusual matches. So as mentioned a moment ago, the opening match is Greg the Hammer Valentine defending the Intercontinental title in a Lumberjack match against Tito Santana. Some of the Lumberjacks that are surrounding the ring that are notable include Big John Studd, King Kong Bundy, The Junkyard Dog, Rocky Johnson, Jimmy Snuka, and Ricky Steamboat, just to name a few. So as the referee is checking Tito Santana if he has any weapons or not, Greg Valentine cheap shots him, and that is how this match begins. And Valentine has an early advantage, but Santana is able to make a comeback early in this bout. And Valentine goes to the outside of the ring. And this is where it gets fun, because when you go out to the ring, you're supposed to be brought back in the ring. Well, he went on the side where Big John Studd was, and instead of pushing him back in, they comfort him. They made sure that he was all right. But Ricky Steamboat and his group come right around the corner and send Valentine back into the ring, and Santana takes advantage. So we have this match, and it's a good match. Um, it is clipped, obviously, but not you know, extensive, you know, extensively bad. It's, it's clipped in a good way. Um, and then, as we see during the bow, Valentine gets the advantage, and Santana goes to the outside. Now, he lands on his side where his comrades are, and Mean Gene makes a valid point because it is Okerlund and Monsoon on commentary for this match. And he points out how being thrown to one side where your friends are can be considered an advantage because you can have the opportunity to rest. So, as we go a little bit further in this match, both men, they're fighting, they're trying to take the advantage, and then Santana, close, close to the end of the match, locks in, or the first time around, he attempts to lock in the figure four leg lock, but Valentine kicks him off. Well, Santana, about two minutes later, attempts a second time, and he locks in the figure four leg lock, and Madison Square Garden is going absolutely crazy. They have this hunch. They have this feeling. We're going to have a new Intercontinental Champion. Well, Jimmy Hart happened to 
pop right up on the apron to distract the referee. And that distraction helps Valentine because Big John Stud drags Valentine over to the bottom rope so Valentine could reach the bottom rope. The referee never saw the aid of Big John Stud, and Santana is forced to break the figure four. However, after he does, Santana goes right after Big John Stud, and they have a little bit of a scuffle before Valentine hits Santana in the back with a knee. And then we get to the end of the match where Valentine sends Santana into the ropes, and as they're about to each do something, they collide each other head on. Santana falls back first, and then Valentine, like a tree, falls right on top of Santana to get the one, two, three, and Greg Valentine retains the Intercontinental Championship in the Lumberjack match. Now, one thing I should point out, and normally I won't do this very often on this podcast, but this match, the 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 match in its entirety is now up on the WWE Network as the house show that this event took place on, March 17th, 1985, is now up for your viewing pleasure. This event did take place two weeks before WrestleMania. So we stay with Greg Valentine as he is in our next match as he is going to face Chief J Strongbow and he is going to face him in an Indian strap match. Of course we don't get to see um, strap matches that much uh, but for those who don't know what an Indian strap match is normally it is when two individuals are basically tied together by the wrist to this leather strap and they really can't escape. Well, just like the beginning of the previous match as the referee is getting Strongbow's wrist tied up, Valentine attacks Strongbow and takes the advantage. And then eventually Strongbow does get back in the ring, Valentine is tied and we get our match. Now, Valentine beats on Strongbow very early in this match, and it eventually has Strongbow getting busted open. Now, this is not the last time that you're going to hear me say, somebody got busted open. So, we get this, we have the match, Strongbow starts to make a comeback, and he's going after Valentine. So then, after that, Valentine sends Strongbow to the floor. And Strongbow, he's a little bit dazed because he walks down the aisle, but Valentine pulls Strongbow by the strap and pulls him to hit the apron, and then he does it a second time. And during that, Jesse Ventura, who was doing the commentary for this match, does a heel thing saying, Well, they're saying that Greg Valentine is the one who's trying to run away, but to me it looks like Strongbow is. So after a couple of times, Valentine gets pulled out of the ring by Strongbow, and they start fighting on the floor. They eventually bring it back into the ring, and the referee tries to break this up. Well, Strongbow kicks the referee in the gut the first time. This sends the referee down to the mat for a couple of seconds. These two continue the fight, 
the referee comes back a second time, and Strongbow kicks the referee again, and this is where literally the chaos of this bout goes. Because the referee, the second time, he's down for the rest of this match. Here comes Ivan Putski, Tito Santana, and Dominic DiNucci in to break up the fight. Putski has a beard, Jesse Vittorin notices. Santana has longer hair. So they're trying to break up this fight. Valentine goes to the floor. Valentine grabs a chair, and he is about to hit Strongbow with the chair when all of a sudden, and I kid you not, if you've never seen this, a fan grabs the chair away from Greg Valentine. Yes, a fan gets involved, and Valentine attempts to go after the fan, but the police are there to break that up. Then, Gorilla Monsoon comes out. Now, he is dressed up in a suit and tie. He's not in his ring gear, so he's an agent, I think, on this particular occasion. And they're trying to get all sorts of, you know, composure down. They're trying to get everyone calmed down, and... Strongbow is taken to the back by his group. Valentine is then about to leave with Gorilla Monsoon behind him, but before he leaves, he takes one more attempt to go after the fan who took the chair from him. It is absolutely crazy. I don't know if we would see this in today's wrestling world. Honestly, I don't think we would. So, after both combatants are taken away, the ring announcer, a very young Howard Finkel, I might add, says that the referee has disqualified both men and called it a no contest. I guess I'm a little confused about that because it was Strongbow who kicked the referee twice. Nah, I'm not going to complain about it. Next up, we bring up Roddy Roddy Piper and Ace Cowboy Bob Orton. And they've had a problem with Superfly Jimmy Snuka and his partner, the Junkyard Dog. So the officials of the World Wrestling Federation were trying to figure out how can we manage to have this match, you know, to keep it in the ring. Do we add more referees? Probably won't work. The referees could get hurt. Do we put them in a steel cage? Probably too small of room for all four combatants. The only way that this match can take place, a Texas Tornado match. Which means all four men in the ring at the same time, no DQ, no countout, first fall wins. And early in the contest, Junkyard Dog and Jimmy Snooker are on the advantage. They take Piper and Orton and they're just beating them both down. Piper tries to escape, but Snooka catches right up to Piper as they're fighting on the outside. Dog and Orton are fighting on the inside. Then, as Snooka has the advantage on Piper, uh, Piper pushes Snooka face first into the post. Now, believe it or not, Snooka does not bleed from that, which is very interesting. So, Orton and Piper now have the advantage. We go a little bit forward into this match, and they both have a double headlock on both the Junkyard Dog and Jimmy Snuka, and 
Dog and Snooka are each trying to reach each other to make sure that, you know, they're back together. But Piper and Orton push them into the ropes, and they both lock in a double sleeper, to which both men are now caught a second time. But as we see the Dog and Snooka, they finally reach each other, and they start to get that second win, and they start fighting even more. So, the Junkyard Dog and Jimmy Snooka, they're at it. They're taking advantage of Piper and Orton. And then uh, Snooka is sent to the floor along with Piper. The junkyard dog and Orton, they are in the ring. The dog goes to the ropes to which Piper trips the dog with his hand that sends the dog down. Orton then delivers an elbow on the back of the neck, rolls the dog over, Gets the three count in the victory just before the JYD is able to get his shoulder up. Roddy Piper and Bob Orton win the match. After the match, it looked like there was going to be a confrontation between Piper and a fan. But JYD and Jimmy Snuka wanted more of them. And they go right into the locker room. Now we go into these next two segments which involve the Battle Royal. But before we get to the Men's Battle Royal, we're going to go back in time. We're going to go back into the time machine. We're going to go to the 1960s for an all-girls Battle Royal. This is a 10-woman Battle Royal for in which the only way to be eliminated is by a pinfall. Not thrown through the ropes, not thrown over the top, but by pinfall. And what makes this even more interesting is the winner of the Battle Royal, not only does she win the purse, I know you can make a female reference here if you want, but not only does she win the money from the match, but she gets a future championship match with the fabulous Moolah. To which Jesse Ventura says, yes, folks, she was the champ back then. So Gorilla Monsoon is on commentary, and at this point, it, we're down to five women. And, you know, it's going to be a little bit tricky to remember the names. So, so I do apologize if I don't remember all the correct names. But the, the female mask uh, got eliminated. We get to the final four. And then it eventually becomes a two-on-one situation, and Sue Green is on her own against Donna Cristinello and another female who, again, I apologize for not remembering the name. Um, but the end of this match is very interesting because the heels attempt a double-team on Sue Green, and the first time around, it works. You know, it, it works. But then the second time around... Sue Green reverses it. Donna Cristinello pins her short-term partner. And then Sue Green gets a roll-up on Donna Cristinello. And Cristinello gets the win. Or uh, Sue Green, pardon me, gets the win in a future championship match against the fabulous Moolah for the World Women's Championship. So now we transition from the women to the men. And... Folks, this list of, competitor, of competitors in this battle royal reads like a who's who of professional wrestlers 
not only for this time period, but for the history of professional wrestling. It is a 20-man battle royal held in Madison Square Garden. And I have the list in front of me because they do introduce each competitor one by one. So let me tell you who is in this battle royal. You have Sika, Jose Luis Rivera, Butcher Vachon, Antonio Inoki, Tony Guerrilla, Chief J. Strongbow, Afa, Steve Lombardi, Dick Murdoch, Bob Orton, Adrian Adonis, Rene Goulet, Ron Shaw, Charlie Fulton, Terry Daniels, The Iron Sheik, Tito Santana, Paul Orndorff, Sergeant Slaughter, and Samu. So, looking at this list, Sika, Inoki, Strongbow, Afa, Orton, Sheik, Santana, Orndorff, and Slaughter are all in the WWE Hall of Fame. That's almost half of the entire list in this battle royal that are currently in the WWE Hall of Fame. So we get into the battle royal, and um, it's a good, I mean, it's so hard to say, oh, this is the greatest battle royal of all time, because they're battle royals, you know. They're just going to be fun battle royals to watch. Um, we get a couple of interesting moments, such as one of the wild Samoans picking his nose and trying to put his finger into the face of Dick Murdoch. Um, I know that's pretty disgusting, I know. Um, we get a lot of double teams in this. Sergeant Slaughter is really in control. He would eliminate Dick Murdoch, but then Adrian Adonis would come up from behind, and Slaughter and Adonis both get eliminated at the same time. And it's very interesting how this battle royal goes, because, you know, on, on paper you'd think, okay, Slaughter could be the favorite to win this, Iron Sheik could be the favorite to win this, possibly one of the Samoans, maybe Santana. Here's our final four. Tony Guria, Antonio Inoki, Ron Shaw, and Rene Goulet. That's your final four. <clears throat> so those four are left. Guria gets eliminated, so we're down to Inoki, Shaw, and Goulet. Shaw and Goulet attempt a double team. It does not work. Uh, Goulet misses Anoki and hits Shaw, which eliminates Shaw from the Battle Royal. And then Anoki does a nice back kick to the head of Goulet, and that eliminates Rene Goulet. Antonio Inoki is the last man in the Battle Royal. He wins pretty much a big Battle Royal considering the names that are involved in this match. Like I said, nine of the 20 men end up in the WWE Hall of Fame you can make a case for at least three or four other guys to be in that hall of, in this hall of fame just from this match alone pretty pretty big class speaking of big class we now go to one of the most famous matches in the history of professional wrestling and one of the most infamous steel cage matches of all time Superfly Jimmy Snuka challenging Don Morocco for the Intercontinental Heavyweight title in a steel cage 
Madison Square Garden, October 17, 1983 is the date. Now, I want to point out here, at this time, Jimmy Snuka is managed by the very first WWF champion, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers. I want you to remember that for something that's going to happen later. Uh, everybody knows this is the match that influenced McFoley to be a professional wrestler. It influenced a bunch of people to become a professional wrestler. Uh, but I'm going to get into this match. Morocco is already in the cage, waiting for Snuka. Snuka goes into the cage, the door is locked, and we get a good fight to start off this steel cage match. Um, it's a good back-and-forth match. Snuka gets the advantage, then Morocco does, and then Morocco does a slingshot with Snuka, which sends Snuka face-first into the steel cage, which busts open Jimmy Snuka. He is busted open. And, and Morocco, being the heel that he is, being the fighter that he is, does not go lightly. He takes advantage of Jimmy Snuka. He goes right after him. He goes after the cut. But Snuka does get his second win. He gets Morocco back, and he's going right after him. And then Snuka sends Morocco face first into the steel cage, and that busts Morocco wide open. And then we get the ending of this match. Jimmy Snuka goes to the ropes, does a headbutt on the Don Morocco. Morocco stays up. Snuka goes to the ropes a second time, hits a headbutt on Morocco. That headbutt knocks Morocco over the top rope, but as he's going over the top, he calls for the door to be open, and Morocco rolls out of the steel cage to win the match to stay the Intercontinental Champion in an improbable finish. After the match, Snuka is irate. He gets out the cage door. He grabs Morocco. He brings him back into the ring. He gives Morocco a suplex. And then, that famous moment in history, Jimmy Snuka climbing to the top of the steel cage, 15 feet in the air, does the superfly leap, and lands on Morocco as the crowd in Madison Square Garden goes absolutely crazy. After the match, or after that incident, Snuka grabs the Intercontinental title, stands over the body of Don Morocco, drops the belt on the body of Morocco, and leaves the cage, in which Gorilla Monsoon says that the magnificent Morocco won this match on a fluke, which, if you think about it, he sort of did. So then we get the replay of the leap by Snuka and Monsoon says that Morocco will definitely have to spend the night in the hospital tonight. Now, you would think, after that match, that these two guys are done. They're not going to face each other anymore. Well, you would be wrong. Because two months later in Madison Square Garden, these two men would be on opposite sides of a tag team match, but a most interesting tag match 
because the managers get involved. Don Morocco teams up with his manager, Captain Lou Albano, and Superfly Jimmy Snuka teams up with the golden boy, Arnold Skolin. Now, wait a minute. I thought Buddy Rogers was his manager. Well, let me explain before I get into this match. The match was originally supposed to be Morocco and Albano versus Snuka and Rogers. However, by this point in 83, Buddy Rogers' health is not really the best. So, because of his health not being so good, they made the switch for this match that Arnold Skolin would be the partner of Jimmy Snuka in this unusual match where the wrestlers and the managers team up together. Now, when we get to the beginning of this clip, Morocco and Skolin are the ones in the ring. And we get to see Arnold Skolin. Arnold Skolin is doing an amazing job in the ring for someone who had not competed in a very long time with some nice deep arm drags onto Morocco. He even goes after Lou Albano for a little bit. Skolin eventually makes the tag to Snuka, and we get Morocco and Snuka again. They face each other off. And then eventually Morocco gets the advantage and Lou Albano tags into this match. And oh, Captain Lou, Captain Lou. He struts around the ring. He's playing with his little goatee. And, you know, it's like, oh, I might take a shot at him. I'm not really quite sure. So he takes a couple of punches, but Snuka does manage to come back. And he punches Albano some more before Albano makes the tag to Morocco. So we get a good series of back and forth for a little bit with Morocco getting the advantage on Snuka. And then we get to the end where Albano tries to get involved into the match and Arnold Skolin runs into the ring and he goes after Albano, which distracts the referee, but doesn't distract the referee for too long because Snuka climbs the top rope hits the Superfly Leap cross-body version onto Morocco, and he gets the pin, he gets the three count and the victory for his team. After the match, he goes after Captain Lou Albano, and then, just for curiosity moment, Lou Albano makes his way towards the back, but before he does, he goes after commentator Pat Patterson, who was doing commentary for this match, we almost had a little bit of an altercation between Lou Albano and Pat Patterson. And then we quickly see the replay of Snuka and Skolin winning the match. Now this next match that I'm going to talk about is a six-man tag team match. Now I know what you're thinking. Six-man tag matches are not that unusual. Well, you're right. However, this does belong on this tape considering one of the individuals involved in this match. On one side of the ring, you have a tag team comprised of Butcher Vachon, Moose Monroe, and Strong Kobayashi. Their opponents are the team of Larry Zabisco, the High Chief Peter Maivia, and the 601-pounder Haystacks Calhoun. That's right, folks, the legendary 
Haystacks Calhoun, one of the biggest names at the time in the wrestling business. So this is sort of a nice treat, actually, for the fans because there isn't that much footage out at this point in time, or actually in today's world in general, there isn't that much footage out of Haystacks Calhoun. So we see some action, Haystacks Calhoun with Moose Monroe. Um, he's got a full Nelson on Monroe, and his teammates try to help him, but Calhoun doesn't fall for the cheap tricks, and he tags in Zabisco, and the end of the match is Zabisco tagging in Calhoun. Moose Monroe is just in trouble. Uh, Calhoun ends up hitting a big splash on the Monroe as Zabisco and Maivia run over the back of Haystacks Calhoun to prevent Butcher Vachon and Strong Kobayashi to helping break up the pin as Calhoun, Maivia, and Zabisco get the win. Now, as we see a replay of this, and I want to point this out, just, you know, to, to have everyone take a look. When Haystacks Calhoun goes for the big splash, he doesn't get more than maybe two, three feet off the ground. He does not get off the ground that high in this match. That shows you how big... Haystacks Calhoun was and is. I mean, he was a very big individual. Um, and actually, I do want to mention, um, I recently saw a, a video on Facebook, and you guys probably won't believe me when I say this, but it's out there, folks. There is a footage in Japan of Haystacks Calhoun teaming up with Andre the Giant. Yes, there is footage of Haystacks Calhoun and Andre the Giant as a tag team together in Japan. Um, I'm not going to spoil how it ends, but if you get the chance, check it. Try Facebook first, and if you can't find it on Facebook, uh, then I would suggest going to YouTube and check out the very unusual, but sort of a dream tag team, if you think about it, of Andre the Giant and Haystacks Calhoun. Speaking of Andre the Giant, this leads us to our final match of this videotape. What do you get when you have such stars as Andre the Giant, Rocky Johnson, Pedro Morales, Jimmy Snuka, The Magnificent Morocco, Playboy Buddy Rose, Ray Stevens, Mr. Fuji, Salvatore Belomo, and Superstar Billy Graham involved. Well, you get a 10-man tag team match with a best 3 out of 5 fall stipulation. This match has a 2-hour time limit. And... Before you even think of stopping this podcast, no, they do not go the entire two hours. Do not worry. that, that It does not happen. So, it is a best three out of five falls match with a two-hour time limit. However, there is a special stipulation in this match, which is 
the winner and the loser of each fall must start the next match or start the next fall. So early on, uh, Andre's team gets the advantage as Morocco's team is trying to figure out what to do here. Um, Andre gets tagged in and he kicks Morocco out to the arena floor. And, you know, this boggles the mind of Morocco. He gets back into the ring and Morocco gets sent to the ropes. Andre does a drop down. And as Andre gets back up, he brings his big old derriere up in the air and it, and Morocco just runs right into the posterior of the magnificent Morocco and that takes him down. So we go a little bit later into this match and Morocco is in the ring with Salvatore Belomo and Morocco does an airplane spin on the Belomo. However, Morocco spins so much that he loses control and Belomo attempts he almost gets a three count on Morocco, but only is able to get a two count. So he tags in Buddy Rose, and Buddy Rose does an airplane spin of his own, although this time Rose doesn't fall backwards, almost gets himself pinned. So Belomo is able to get himself back together. Mr. Fuji gets tagged in. Belomo goes into the ropes, and Fuji hits a nice belly-to-belly -belly suplex and hooks the leg to get the first fall of the match, uh, Morocco's team ends up winning fall number one. So, because of that, Mr. Fuji and Belomo have to start the second fall. So we go into the second fall. Fuji is in control. Fuji then picks up Belomo as he's about to slam him. When Jimmy Snuka climbs to the top rope, hits a drop kick that knocks Fuji over, and Belomo hooks the leg to get the three count, and he gets the second fall, evening the bout at one fall apiece. Andre's team and Morocco's team each have one fall as we go into the third fall. So, Fuji and Belomo again start the third fall, Ray Stevens gets involved, Buddy Rose gets involved, and then we see Jimmy Snuka. He's going to get involved in this match, and this helps Belomo a lot because Belomo had been in the ring for a long time, and Snuka ends up hitting a sunset flip onto Buddy Rose, gets his feet on the shoulders to get the three count. Snuka gets the third fall of the match, uh and the second fall for his team, so his team is up two falls to one. So now we go to the fourth fall of this match. This could be the deciding fall, folks. Who knows? Um, and Andre gets tagged in, and at this point, Morocco's team is like, I don't want to fight him. I do not want to fight this man. So Morocco tries a little bit. He gets nowhere. Stevens tries a little bit. It goes nowhere. Buddy Rose ends up being the one that goes into the ring to attack Andre. And at first, they try a triple team, even the quadruple team on Andre. But once they break it up, it's pretty much all over. Andre hits 
a big boot onto Buddy Rose, and then he hits the big sitting splash onto Rose to get the three count to win not only the fourth fall of the entire match, but to win the third and deciding, the third and victorious fall in this match, with the final score being Andre the Giants team three and the magnificent Morocco's team one. What I find interesting about this match, or, or seeing this on the videotape, is we see everybody get involved in the match. They get involved in the ring, except for superstar Billy Graham. Now, I have seen the actual match. I've seen the full-length match, and Billy Graham does a lot more in this match than is shown on the videotape where he just stands on the apron. He does a lot more. This match, if you want to find the entire match, is a great match to watch. It is different. It is unique. It is entertaining to watch. So if you can, look for this match as well. It would be worth your time to check it out. And that concludes the WWF's most unusual matches. But hold on, folks. Hold on. We got some stuff to tell you about. Available this June at your local video store is the official video release of WrestleMania, the biggest wrestling event of all time, seen by more than one million people. Every match shown in its entirety with Hogan, T, Piper, and Orndorff in the tag team main event, plus Andre, Stud, Bundy, Beefcake, Sheik and Volkov, Wendy Richter, Muhammad Ali, and so much more. You can get a copy of WrestleMania, the biggest wrestling event of all time, a two-hour video cassette for only $39.95. Well, but there's still more. Gorilla Monsoon comes in and he tells us about the next three video releases coming to, coming to us from Coliseum Home Video. The first one is the best of the WWF Volume 3, where we will see one of the most exciting and new great tag teams to come down the line in a long time, Davy Boy Smith and the Dynamite Kid, the British Bulldogs. Plus, the most dangerous match, the Battle Royal, where there are no rules and there are no friends. Next, we go to the specialty section as our next specialty video will be the WWF's The Biggest, The Smallest, The Strangest, and The Strongest. This is a very interesting list because it features wrestlers from all over the world and even some from parts unknown. You'll see the Mongols. You'll see Bruno San Martino. You'll see Gorilla Monsoon. And Gorilla mentions... Boy, I wonder how much they paid to get him on this tape. Plus, we also see uh, the Wild Man. We see uh, we get to see Big John Studd set the bench press record on the TNT show. 
we see an arm wrestling contest between Ivan Putsky and Jesse the Body Ventura, and Ken Patera shows his feat of strength. Finally, in the personality section, it's the man you love to hate now has his own video cassette, Rowdy Roddy Piper. And believe it or not, he has called his tape his greatest hits. You may not like the guy, but he is very talented in the ring, and we get to see some of his action along with Piper's pit. Now, Monsoon says that he might never be able to replace Mike Wallace's job on 60 Minutes, which, now that you think about it, I'm actually glad he didn't, but Piper's Pit is the one program on television where host and guest get closer more than any other show. So, the next three videos are The Best of the WWF Volume 3, the WWF's The Biggest, The Smallest, The Strangest, The Strongest, and Roddy Roddy Piper. Go to your local video retailer and reserve your copies now. Alright, so, what did I think about the WWF's most unusual matches? First off, they made a great choice by picking Jesse Ventura to be the, 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 the host of this videotape because... You know, with all due respect to Gorilla and to Lord Alfred Hayes and Mean Gene and Vince McMahon, I don't think anyone could have done a better job hosting this videotape than Jesse the Body Ventura did. I really do. They picked some good matches on this, and they really picked some gems in this videotape. Uh, the the 20-man battle royal, Snooka and Morocco in the cage, the 10-man tag match, which, like I said, you guys should go out of your way to check it out. Um, what I liked about this is you have a good mix of... And, and we, we got to remember, this is 1985 when this tape comes out. You have a good mix of recent matches taking place with... 85 being the latest. There's two matches from 85 on this. You have the, the, the strap match with Strongbow and Valentine with that incredible ending. And then you have the, the, the women's battle royal. And even though the women's battle royal is cut down and yeah, we don't know many of the participants in that, it's still a good match to watch just for the nostalgia purposes because if you think about it when you look at this match from the 60s of a women's battle royal and you're like that is a very unusual match compared to today where the women's division in all of pro wrestling is is bigger than it's ever been this match, even though it's not necessarily the best match, is sort of a trailblazing match. And because of that match, you know, you, it just sort of gives... It doesn't start, but it continues the slow evolution of the women's wrestling scene here in the U.S. Um, and you also have fun matches on this. The Texas Tornado match is a fun match. The... 
The tag match with the managers is a fun match. Even the short footage with Haystacks Calhoun is fun because it's Haystacks Calhoun, and not a lot of people at that time had probably seen Haystacks Calhoun because he, he because the name is such an aura, it's such a legend in wrestling that I could see why, you know, if you try to get this tape, you got to get it because Haystacks Calhoun is on this tape. So all in all, I really love, I mean, I love this tape. This is such a fun tape to watch from beginning to end, the different stipulations, the different matches. Um, I, You know, it's so early to say what's my favorite, but this one would be up there. It really would be. It would be one of my favorite tapes that I have seen so far. Um, you can follow that wrestling show on Twitter at wrestling show 11. You can join our Facebook group. Just type in that wrestling show. You're right there. And if for some odd reason you can't find the Facebook group, just click on the link in the description box and you are right there. Well, the next time around that uh, another episode of Coliseum Corner takes place, we're going to be doing another personality uh, video. And this personality video will be all about the one and the only Andre the Giant. Not a bad choice for your second personality video, I think. I mean, you sort of had to start with the Hulkster. Andre the Giant is a very good choice for your second Coliseum video of the personality series. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of Coliseum Corner. I am Bill Yankovi, and until next time, I'll see you guys on the corner. Coliseum Corner.